The Local Youth Worker is a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Since 1972, RYM has sought to reach and equip youth for Christ. And this podcast seeks to reach and equip those parents and youth workers who share that same desire. For more information on our student conferences, youth leader training, or resources, visit rym.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. This is episode number 395, and Joe and Lynn Howard will be joining me in just a bit. Um, Before we get to my uh, discussion with them, I did just want to say that I'm recording this uh, a day after um, the school shooting that took place in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I just want to say that my heart is heavy for all of you listeners who are either living in that area or um, know someone that was impacted by this. Obviously, this, regardless of our connection, this is a story that resonates with with all of us. Um, Just the horrific nature of what took place is something um, every human feels to some degree. And um, I do just want to share just... The ministry of RYM is deeply connected to those at Covenant Presbyterian Church. Um, Oftentimes when we have our youth leader training event in Nashville, we have gone to worship at Covenant Pres. And so we know many of the staff, uh, many of those um, friends uh, connected to that church. And I was reluctant on even saying anything at the beginning of this uh, episode, Um, but again, it's just a day uh, removed from these events, and uh, it's very heavy, and have been texting with a lot of friends, and again, those of us on staff with RYM have many connections uh, to families there, Um, so our hearts are are very heavy, and I want to just share with those who are listening today and are impacted, um, we are consistently praying uh, for all of you. And uh, we long for the return of King Jesus. And I pray that um, my interview today with with Joe and Lynn Howard, um, although uh, not similar to those events that are, have taken a place, taken place in our, our culture, but uh, there, there's brokenness and beauty in this story. And I pray that you all will receive encouragement Uh, from that. So for now, here are Lynn and Joe. Today I welcome Joe and Lynn to the podcast. Joe, Lynn, how's it going? Good, John. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Uh, Good to to see you guys. Um, I'm not sure how many of our listeners picked up on this, but Lynn began co-hosting this podcast as Lynn Grosso, and now it's Howard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. And today our listeners are going to get to hear the story of, of how this came to be. Um, you know, as I was thinking about this podcast and this season specifically, it's been an interesting one. Um, we took a little bit of a break in December and into January, and then we, we started to come back and I typically try to have some kind of a schedule or outline put together, um, but it's taking a completely different direction uh, than what I had planned. Um, Last season, Tree Triolo came on and kicked off our our stories of grace, and that's kind of been the theme of this season, really. Uh, Lynn, you were with me on that episode. That was the first one, episode 378. Um, it's entitled Tragedy and Ministry. Um, Paul David Tripp also came on to talk about insecurities of, of life and ministry. And so I want to encourage uh, everyone to go back and, and check that out because Tree shared uh, just about losing a student in ministry. And Lynn, I can remember you and I did not really know what all he's going to share. And we were just kind of floored in that episode. Yeah, it was pretty... I mean, yeah, because he sent us notes, like brief notes before and nothing. Yeah. So it was, it was shocking. And yeah, just like a nightmare situation that you wonder, mm-hmm. yeah, well, how do you see God in, in this? And Tree spoke so beautifully to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and something we, we've talked about in all these, these stories of grace, just a constant theme is how God takes brokenness and, and turns it into beauty. And Lynn and Joe, your, your story illustrates this so well. Oh, there, there, there's much beauty in your story. There's deep heartache. And so I do not take 
lightly that you're both uh, just willing to come on and to share your story with me today and to share your story with our listeners. Um, just sincere thank you uh, to both of you. Um, and uh, since our listeners do know Lynn a little bit more, Joe, I thought maybe we could just start with you and just tell our listeners where you're from, what you're currently doing, and then we'll, we'll get to you, Lynn. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. I My name is Joe. And uh, all my friends growing up called me JoJo. Uh, and I grew up in New Kent County, Virginia. And uh, we're between uh, Richmond and like Colonial Williamsburg. Um, so um, right now I am working uh, as a construction manager for the family construction company. We build roads and bridges. And um, yeah, I've been there for, it's a relatively new job, a, tied to a recent move and a recent marriage. So uh, a lot, a lot of change, but a lot of good things. Um, yeah. Sure. No, that's good. And I can't help, but when you guys say colonial Williamsburg, do you guys get over there much at all? That was one of the first places I went with, with my wife, Ashley, when we got married. Oh, that's so fun. I actually, this is so silly and not important at all, but I as was at a consignment shop earlier this week and there was an old colonial uniform, like an old colonial outfit. Yes. And I was thinking like, can I get Joe to wear this around the house? <laughs> that was great. And also like out and about because it wouldn't be weird in certain parts of where we live. <laughs> yeah, you're always seeing period, you know, actors walking around. But so yeah, we, we go over there pretty frequently. Um, mo- more so in the winter months, just because it gets so busy during the, the warmer months. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with like Bush Gardens and some of the other cool things around here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have, I don't have a three-pointed hat, you know, a three-pointed <laughs> hat, but. We're in the market. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. Not, not yet, at least. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, Christmas, birthday, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Lynn, why, why don't you just begin by by telling our listeners how, how you and Joe met, how your stories overlapped, and we'll just kind of go from there. Great. Well, um, Joe and I met in 2006 as freshmen at college. I was at Longwood University in Farmville, and he went to the boys' um, well, all-men's men. school. Sorry, men's all men's school. school in Hampton, <laughs> Sydney, which was right down the street from us. And because both of the schools are quite small, we shared a lot of ministries. And Joe and I met in a Young Life ministry meeting. We were um, mm-hmm. going to be college leaders. And um, Joe was a college athlete. He played soccer in college, so he ended up being too busy and too much of a stud to do it, but, um, spirit wasn't leading me. (laughs) We met there and became very easy friends. Like we just had very natural chemistry, him and two other of the guys from Hampton city, the four of us are still very good friends. We just naturally clicked. Mm -hmm. Um, and nothing was ever romantic. Joe had always been with his high school sweetheart, Noel, and which also made things kind of easy. She went to um, a different college, so she wasn't on campus, but Joe mm-hmm. and I would like go to concerts together. We went, I went to all the soccer games and like other friends we had, they played soccer too. And, and we just ended up being in the same circles and being really good friends um, all throughout college. And then life afterwards, as he moved somewhere else and I moved somewhere else and he and Noel ended up getting married and having some kids and mm-hmm. um, just stayed in contact and stayed good friends the whole time. Joe's um, just one of those people who it's, it's impossible to not like, unless mm-hmm. you're just like, he's just too fantastic. Like I can't like him, you know, but, but I always, I did, uh, when we were friends, I remember watching him date Noel. And then when we were well, still friends, I remember watching him be married to Noel and always thinking like, because Joe is never an option. Like I want to be dated. Like Joe dates Noel. Like he does it so well. He always spoke so highly of her when she wasn't around or when she was around, you know, it just pursued her so well. And I thought, gosh, what a standard for mm-hmm. me as a female to have of, I like, that would be so fantastic um, to be dated. Like Joe, Joe dates Noel. Um, and now look at you. And I still, I still, oh, I still can't all the time. I'm like, I can't believe I married Jojo Howard. Like, this is <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't share that. Anyway, so, oh man, uh, that's yeah, just, that just tempts me when you say I can't share that. But well, go there, ahead. okay, no. this will help my girlfriends with modesty, right? Like, um. Uh, of my one of my best friends, Zachary and I, and Zachary sang at our wedding. Like he's always also been a good friend. We were waiting for Jojo after one of his soccer games and he had showered and he came out in like a bathing suit. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to look away. <laughs> I have to look away because he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> and now when I like, we live on the river. So now I'm just like, I can't believe I married that man. 
<laughs> um, but anyway, so Thank yeah, you, yeah. Hey, that's a good that's a good side note. No, like you said, yeah, <laughs> help him yeah. with modesty there. Yes, if he's, if he's got a girlfriend, look away. <laughs> Zach likes to say the first look is fine, the second look will kill you. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good. okay to miss somebody's attractive, but don't. But don't looking back and lingering, that yeah, that's great. Yeah. Will you? Yeah. Yeah. That's anyways, a good word for sure. There we go. Yeah, um, youth ministry right there. Um, but we, yeah, so we just stayed friends and uh, um, Joe and Noel and their family were living up in Harrisonburg near JMU. But when they would come back down to the Williamsburg area, he would message me um, because I was still around and say, hey, we're visiting. Um, his family lives down here. We're visiting. We'd love to see you. And so I would come out. So I, Noel and I were friends and um, I had met Liam before. Liam is um, our eight-year-old son or um, Joe's eight-year-old son at the time. And um, yeah. And then when I got a text message from our friend Zachary about Noel passing away, he was like, Hey, I don't know if you heard, but Noel died. And I was like, what, what is going on? I have, I was living in Australia. I was, um, I had come back, but I had been, Joe and I talked twice while I lived in Australia. We didn't talk very much mm-hmm. and we didn't really have contact after, um, well, I guess if you want to pick up there with Noel, yeah. Let's, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you have kids, you get a little busier. And uh, I hate to be I've like, I've heard the, that before. I don't, yeah. A couple that drops off the map, you know, when when you get married or have kids, and um, that's just the season that we were in, I suppose. But but yeah, Lynn, I remember meeting her uh, and thinking like, man, just the most joy filled smile I've ever seen in a person and just being kind of I, I just still remembered it etched in my memory of of how pretty I thought you were and once again thinking buddy you're not allowed to think that like okay well then let's just close that door and um but I remember I do like you know <laughs> um yeah so we Noel and I um enjoyed a, a very good relationship high school sweethearts and um then we were married for for a number of years and we had Liam uh, who was a, a wonderful healthy baby and when we got pregnant the second time um, the pregnancy just felt much different and um, from I you know I've never carried a baby but uh, I, I hear that often it can be different the second time you know it can be different each time or the same the human body is a complicated thing that God has, has given us. So um, the second time felt much different and had a lot more pain and whatnot. And so long story short, she, we found out that she had cancer, um, uh, some uh, type of Ewing sarcoma, which is a cancer typically in kids in the, in the bone. Um, and the fact that she wasn't a kid and that it was manifesting and showing in like the form of soft tumors meant that like, this doesn't even fit in the rare category of like this cancer, which is relatively rare. So just kind of like the one in a million, we don't know why this happened. Um, so the, in that season, it was just a lot of prayer, a lot of going to chemotherapies, um, a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of treatment, a lot of medicine. And, and so, uh, when, when they found out that she had cancer, it was stage four, um, and it, it had spread all over the place. And um, so they did an emergency C-section and got baby out, got Stella Joe out. We, we found out we were going to have a boy uh, the first time around. The second time around, I was like, wait, I, let's just wait and see. Like, it, <laughs> there are so few good surprises in life. Like, no matter what we get, it's going to be a surprise. So we we waited. We didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Um so when we met Stella Joe, I was like, it's a girl, you know, and I'm terrified, you know, this is a, <laughs> a nightmare, but, um, so having, yeah, you know, like I said, I can speak to more about like being a caregiver and a spouse of someone who's gone through that and passed away. Um, so from my perspective, having a wife on the eighth floor at UVA hospital, getting her first round of chemo three days after a C-section and then going down to the seventh floor to the NICU and checking on baby girl who's premature and hooked up to all these tubes and whatnot. Um, that was very overwhelming, you know, and, and my faith, oh, it sounds silly, but like 
my faith really helped a lot in that in that instance. I knew who God was. I knew that God was good. And, you know, my my praying needs got lots of use in that season. Um, I never questioned whether or not God was real or whether or not God was good, because he had already proven that to me through through my relationship with him. Um, and so God showed up in really cool, tangible ways, um, both uh, in measurable ways, like in the here and now, and, and supernatural ways. I remember um, about a year in uh, to the treatment and the cancer was responding and then it stopped responding and, you know, just this roller coaster of emotions and um, asking God, like, Lord, you know, I've got nothing else to give. Like I've, I've given all my time and energy and, uh, and I still have this just deep fear and this worry and this anxiety. So could like, Jesus, can you just give me peace with this? Like, I know you're good, but it doesn't feel like, like in the here now, it doesn't feel like it. And when I prayed that it felt like cool water just being poured over my head. I was, I was going out for a walk. It was like 1am or something in the middle of the night. And, um, and it just felt like cool water rinsing over from like my head being poured down like to my toes. And it was just like my anxiety and worry was taken. Wow. And I was like, Oh, I just have to ask for it. Like, well, what? <laughs> I'm so like, let's see what else. Like, it, it, so I would, yeah, no, it, it doesn't, you know, and I'd asked for things like that before and, and it didn't really show up like that. So in ways like that, like God showed up and took our fear, you know, I mean, I took it right back, you know, within a week or two, like, sorry, Lord, you're not moving quickly enough. Um, so, uh, not two years. Yeah. She, she, between rounds of chemo and a stem cell transplant and like clinical trials, um, and multiple states and multiple second opinions. Um, she, she did die. Uh, and that was really tough. You know, I, I think for anyone who's a caregiver and has been caring for a loved one for a while, you feel guilty for the, the hint of relief that you get when, when someone passes number one, cause mostly because they're not hurting anymore, you know, to see someone struggling to hurt for so long, um, especially when you've given them your heart, you know? Um, yeah, so then became the season of grief uh, for me and the kids. You know, I think uh, one of the, th and this is another supernatural thing that I can't really explain, um, about six six months before Noel got sick, um, God gave me a thirst for the word. I don't know if you, I've typically my Bible and scripture reading comes and goes in seasons and and you know in waves and and I wasn't in a season where I was particularly in the word. And about six months before she got sick, I just got a thirst for the word and just was in it every day and just couldn't get enough of it. And I remember thinking, this is great. Like, I, I haven't read the Bible like this faithfully for since college, you know, and like, so, um, and I, I believe that, you know, God was putting his word inside me, um, filling me up for what was coming. And, um, and I remember also um, about six months Four, four to six months before Noel passed, um, the spirit saying, like, I'm going to take her and you need to prepare yourself for that. Hmm. And I, I think I rationalized that in my mind saying, that's just your fear speaking. Don't let Satan whisper mm -hmm. to you mm -hmm. and like, let, let, let him take your peace away from you. And so in, in certain ways, I feel like, I don't know if that would fall into the category of prophecy or God's grace or God's provision, but um, I've never felt abandoned by our God. Um, if anything, I've felt cradled, you know, and, and one of the things that is hard about that is how can this God who cradles us, you know, and shows up in such beautiful ways, but she still died, you know, like, 
how do I make that fit in my category of like, you know, and, and so they're the problem of pain in the world rears its ugly head, you know, and, um, and in that season of grief, and I'm gonna get this, this has a better, you know, it's not going to be this <laughs> heartbreaking the whole time, but <clears throat> for that season of grief, um, I felt like I had a clenched fist, um, towards God. I knew he was there. I knew he was good. And God, you didn't, you didn't hold up your end of the deal. Like I, I did everything right. We did everything right. We prayed, we, we petitioned, we, <clears throat> we asked you, we didn't like lean on our own strength. And so I just felt like a kid balled up in the fetal position and God was over there and I just wanted to be alone and turn my back on him. Like, Lord, I know you're there. I don't want to talk to you right now. You know, I hurt too much. Um, you don't know what this is like. <laughs> and, and, and in that dark space uh, of grief is where it, it, that's where I felt the hand of Jesus, like in this metaphor on my, on my back, you know, and um, I was, I was talking to Lynn about this uh, recently, like in my faith journey and my walk with God, like I've always felt connected with God, the father, and, but I never really felt like I knew Jesus and at a personal level, like I was always a little confused when they say like, let Jesus into your heart. Is there like a little mini person like that is in me now? Or like, is that the spirit? Is it his spirit? I thought he was at the right hand of the father now, like, you know, so there was always a little bit of confusion there. But I knew what he did, and I, I rested in my faith and, and what God has done uh, through Jesus. Um, but in that deepest, darkest grief was the first time I really knew Jesus personally in my heart. Um, so I knew of Jesus in my head, but through that brokenness was when I started to, to know him in my heart. And that's so that's honestly you know, I've been a Christian for most of my life. I'm 35 now. And I can say like my strong personal relationship with Christ started, you know, in my early thirties, you know, just a handful of years ago, not necessarily my faith in God or my relationship with God, but as far as like a personal relationship with Jesus and realizing that, you know, there's a, there's, he's a person. Yeah. He's, he's a, He's God and he is unknowable in some senses and ineffable and infinite and hard to wrap my mind around. But like he has a personality, mm -hmm. he has character it, traits that I can start to understand. And then I'm, as I'm seeing them, I see them reflected. And, and, you know, as I look around and I see beauty um, in his creation um, or you, Lynn, mm -hmm. you know, like it's just incredible. So, and, and I would explain it this way, like, we, our son knows not, our son knows not to touch that hot skillet um, because I've told him and he has the head knowledge, but until he touches it, like, and is burned, you know, <laughs> then he really knows, like, he's not going to touch that thing again. And, and so I knew about Jesus and I knew what he did. And I knew that he was um, a suffering savior and, and King and friend. And, you know, but I knew it up, up in my head and and in my grief like he reached out and and touched me and said like i know hmm. i know and um and so yeah i've so that's when like all of like that's how joe got to experience jesus through all yes. that and build his relationship with that which is amazing and then being his friend watching you know supporting trying to support him from afar because we all did live so far away but i remember hearing it and then you of course like you think well we have to do something like we gotta send a meal right but like we are mm -hmm. like five hours away i can't make you a meal and so i remember <clears throat> getting on facebook and messaging probably a dozen of our college friends and letting them know like hey this happened we can't like send joe meals because we were all over the country but we started a card train for him and so somebody mm -hmm. was assigned to sending him a card once every couple of weeks and just telling you know 
whatever they wanted to do. And I had like told them the important dates of like, this was their wedding date. This is William's birthday, you know, all that stuff. And mm -hmm. um, so we were trying to support him from afar in that way. Um, but then when he came home for a while and we got to talk and to hear him wrestle through this grief, like I remember we were on the river and he was talking to me and just like, Lynn, I just, I just don't understand, you know, and, and in all of his anger and frustration, I just always, <laughs> remember thinking, leaving a conversation with Joe thinking like he, he's angry, but he's facing towards God. He has not walked away. He's taking his anger to God in the right way. Like what a beautiful way to mourn um, this. I just thought Joe handled his grief um, and so much grief and to, and to walk grieving children through that, right? Like Liam was four and Stella Joe was 18 months. Like yeah. she, she didn't, Stella Joe doesn't really have many mommy and then mommy memories like mm -hmm. what Liam does. Um, but to walk grieving children as a grieving single father through that, like was incredible to watch. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you as you're, um, you know, going through this and, and trying to think of the timeline when, um, you discovered that Noel was sick with cancer. You said, I mean, this was right around the time she was about to give birth to Stella Joe. Is that right? And how far is this into your, your marriage? Yeah, she, she was just into her third trimester. Um, when they, <clears throat> when they found that the, you know, the cancer, um, and her discomfort had gotten so much that it was raising eyebrows, like, well, this is probably a little more than usual. And I remember, um, with, with kids, I think, you know, when you're, when you're going to testify in court and they say like, raise your hand, I don't know if they do the Bible anymore, but, um, the truth the whole truth, you know, the nothing, nothing but the truth. I forget the order, but we've found that with, with the kiddos, the truth and nothing but the truth. Um, they don't necessarily need the whole truth, you know, but I remember when, when Noel came home after her first couple of rounds of chemo and we used like a Mr. Potato Head doll. And I said uh, to Liam, who was, you know, three, I said, all right, mommy has cancer. And, you know, so she's going to be getting the medicine and her cancer is in her belly because that's where the tumors started. And so, like, we took the Mr. Potato Head and put like a Band-Aid on the belly, you know, so he would understand like, OK, and you know how you usually like to climb on mom's lap and like be really rough? Like, well, we can't do that right now because of the cancer and, and where it is. So, you know, being open with the kids um, and not shielding them from the truth. Uh, even uh, the com hardest conversation that I've ever had has, has been with, with Liam when, um, when uh, it was pretty clear that Noel was, was going to die and uh, explaining that to, you know, a five-year-old kid. And I remember I practiced the conversation. Um, I practiced the conversation three different times because I wanted to, him to know that number one, they're kids, so they have a very me-centered, you know, worldview, which is fine. But number one, he needs to know like none of this was his fault, you know, because sometimes kids can think like, "Well, I didn't clean up my space," or like, "I disobeyed mommy," or "I yelled at her." And, and now this is happening. Maybe those two are connected. So he needed to understand that this is not his fault. What it means as best as they can understand. So, you know, at her heart is going to stop and she's going to stop breathing. And, you know, her spirit is going to leave her. And she's, you know, her, so her body is going to be, her earthly body is going to be dead. You know, as Christians, we do have, that's not the end of the story. Praise the Lord, you know. But I, after practicing the conversation multiple times, I couldn't get through it without crying, you know. And so I asked my um, my brother and, and my dad to be, <clears throat> excuse me, in the room with me because um, I wanted to prepare, you know, myself and, and, and Liam. So that was definitely the hardest conversation I've ever had, explaining to him that <laughs> what's happening, you know. Um, However, and he broke down in my arms, which I broke down too, you know, and, and we were able to share in that grief. I've probably cried more about 
Noel's passing with with my son and my my children than I have with anyone else. Um, I find it as a wonderful, painful point of connection uh, and love uh, that that we share together. Um, and like I said, that's not the end of the story. You know, that that's not where the narrative ends because of what Jesus has done for us. Um, and so there therein lies another conversation we get to have with the kids about like, well, what what does happen after we die? What is heaven like? Um, will mommy have hair again? Like, does she have hair now? Is she there instantly? Like, does she have to wait? You know, and so uh, really unpacking a lot of these things and the kids will ask great questions. And I, I didn't know whether or not to be that open with them. Um, I remember one of my friends saying, like, they they can't understand what, like, death means. I'm like, I'm in my 30s. I don't know that I truly understand what death means. You know, it's 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 a really uh, hard thing to wrap our minds around. Um, like I said, uh, and feel free to jump in, but um, I another thing as an aside, I did find that um, therapy was very helpful. Uh, I, I know as as guys, we don't typically like to talk about things or show vulnerability. Um, Guys, if you're listening, life is too short. Like, mm-hmm. quit, quit just staying on the surface level. I'm too cool or, or tough. Like, you know, dive right in. Talk to your your friends about how you're doing. Uh, ask them how they're doing. I found therapy to be very helpful. Um, she was being Noel was treated at UVA, and they have a pretty good cancer treatment center there, and they have a very good therapy program for for spouses or or caregivers who've lost loved ones, you know, through their cancer program. And um, I found that to be very helpful in a group setting. And then I also, uh, about a year after that, sought out a Christian therapist for one-on-one for for Mm -hmm. anywhere from six years, six years, six months to to a year. And that was very fruitful and and helpful also. And, And that's, I really learned to not let my emotions push me around so much, but let them kind of serve as signposts to like what kind of what's going on in, in life. And and I did that mostly if I'm perfectly honest for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, put your own oxygen mask on first mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're on the plane and, and stuff goes sideways. So you can be able to help other people. Uh, so as a caregiver um, and as a single daddy penguin, yeah, I had to make sure that I was <laughs> keeping <laughs> Okay. I've got to say, I'm sorry. Single daddy yeah. penguin. What's the, I'm, yeah. I'm missing the, well, you know, like the emperor penguins, you see them, like all the ladies go and they, they, they go eat and the dads are sitting on the egg and they're staying warm. Like I'm, you know, I just felt like, you know, kind of protecting the little ones. Yeah. You know, and Liam also <laughs> looked through and saw a counselor too, as mm-hmm. well as yeah. a child. He, well, that's, that is, yeah, so wise. Um, and again, there, there's just so much you're saying that that's so good and helpful. And I, I know before we started uh, recording, you were sharing um, just as you were kind of processing some of this grief and even going to some of the, the group, um, maybe counseling as well, that you noticed you were one of the only ones just kind of, I think, at your age that was dealing with this. So you felt somewhat isolated. And so I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, like I said, in, I remember going into group therapy the first time, and uh, you know, I'm in my young, early 30s, and the next youngest guy in there was probably in, in his mid 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't die of cancer young. You know, um, it happens clearly, but um, so that was. That was helpful in the sense that I I realized that losing someone you love and who's close to you is a very human experience. Um, age isn't as important, you know, whether or not you've been married for 10 years, which Noel and I were, or for 50 years, which some of the people there. And I remember um, one of the gentlemen there was was grieving. He had, And he was probably in his late 70s. Hmm. And he was pretty ticked off at how everything had gone. And and so we all, I get that brother, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember him saying, uh, I remember him saying that he felt like he wasn't like he wasn't having suicidal thoughts, but he was in such pain that, you know, if he were to die in his sleep today, he'd have been totally okay with it, you know? Um, and so there were certain aspects about that, that I could relate with. And then there were certain aspects that, that I couldn't, some of the guys were just really at peace. Um, and, and some of the ladies were at peace with the long marriage that they had had with their spouse, you know, they, they missed them and they were working through their grief, but they were like, well, I had a long life. I've done everything I want to do. I, you know, and I was very bitter at hearing this. Like, and I, I, I don't think you're supposed to do this. I'm like, I think you're full of crap. Like I'm <laughs> angry that, you know, my wife was taken when I, I've got two small kids at home. What am I supposed to do? She was way better at parenting than I, like I'm sitting here reading parenting books because I don't know the path forward. Like what's, you know, how am I supposed to sift through this? Um, and we did have a very supportive church family uh, in in that season, and we and we do now. Now that we've we've moved to this side of the state, um, and both of their families, Noel's family and Joe's family, has been very involved, and they mm-hmm. are very helpful and wonderful mm-hmm. and supportive, even still. Yeah, I I do. I remember calling uh, one of the chaplains at UVA's um, hospital who was connected with that group therapy, and I said, you know. That was really helpful. I didn't see anyone else in here, in here like, you know, with my situation. And I hope that there aren't any situations like that. Um, but if you do come across a guy, a young man who's lost his wife, uh, please call me and, or at least give my information to him. I'd love to make myself available just to talk or to cry or just to listen. Um, and you know, it's been, it's been three, three and a half years. And I just did actually get my first phone call from that same chaplain. She said, Hey, I'm so glad that we haven't had to talk to you. Um, We did have a young man who he's got a six month old and, you know, wife was in a car accident and he doesn't know what to do. And would you be willing to talk to him still? I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and a kindness from God to it that we've, a way we've seen God is, um, my mom passed away two years ago, I guess now. Mm-hmm. And so my father's a widower and, uh, he was just asking Joe last week, like, Hey, what about like going places that you used to go together? Like, was that helpful oh, for wow. you or not helpful? So just seeing Joe minister to my father too now has been such, I mean, <clears throat> such a delight and, and such a way for Joe to care for me and my whole family, which wouldn't have been the case you know, I mean, unfortunate that it is the case, but it's been mm-hmm. such a kindness and it's been four, yeah, it'll be four years next week with that Noel has been gone. Um, mm-hmm. and Joe and his family moved back in the area. Yeah. We, um, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> and I remember, um, John, I remember like seeing, I don't really get on social media much anymore. And I remember getting on Facebook and we just moved back to new Kent um, we have, like I said, we have a really strong family and my, my folks live on the Pamunkey river, uh, which feeds into the York, which feeds into the Chesapeake Bay, which feeds into the ocean. I like watersheds. So uh, <laughs> take that for what, what it's worth. So sexy. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, um, and we had moved in with mom and dad. We're thinking about building a house on some family land nearby. And I, I got on Facebook and saw that Lynn, that you had lost uh, Robin, uh, her mom. And I was like three or four weeks behind like the news. So I, I remember texting her like, I just saw, I'm so sorry. Like we're in New Kent now. Um, and like, if you, if you need any, like if you need a meal, if you need a car, like once the, the meal train has tapered off, like we're close. Like, so just let me know if you need anything. And she texted right back. Like, can I come over? And it was like, okay, I don't think it was like that, but maybe, okay. <laughs> it was like seven o'clock on a Thursday night or something. And it's like, can I come over? It was like, was now? Like, sure. You know, so uh, she came over and we talked till like the wee hours of the morning um, about life and particularly in that conversation about grief, you know, and, and what it's like to lose someone. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I remember thinking like, hmm. <laughs> that was really that was really nice i um 
I like Lynn. And then like thinking like, well, you're not allowed to like Lynn. You're grieving. You're, you're married. What are you going to cheat on your wife? And so like then began the process of like texting more, calling more, coming more interested and just that life-giving friendship and that, that, that Lynn uh, was giving me and like, just so enjoyable. And then starting to process the like, yeah, I like women. Like mm-hmm. she's pretty. She's got the best smile I know. Like she's funny. And like, so yeah, just working through that grief in that sense that I felt convicted that I made these vows to my my spouse, my wife. And I literally gave my heart to her. Like there's a part of my heart that I feel like is not here anymore. You know, she, she, it's up in heaven, you know? And so to feel attracted to Lynn um, and to like, and to feel happy to be spending time with her, it felt like a fair dose of like survivor's guilt. And then like shame um, for like, I don't know. I felt like I was cheating on Noel and um and I'm not a cheater. No. I'm a loyal man. So like <laughs> uh I remember um we would do we would get together for like mostly just to hang out with friends mm-hmm. or with family like Lynn like I said Lynn's an old friend so it wasn't anything like um Yeah, I knew his family or anything. Yeah, or, like we were you so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was so comfortable with them and um so like hanging out wasn't weird for us and I remember telling my friend uh, Meredith <laughs> I was like I'm going to Bush Gardens with Jojo Howley. <laughs> and I don't like, he's just like the dream boy, but I'm not even thinking about that because there's no way he's interested in me. Like I'm so not on his level. He was a college athlete. Like he's such a stud. He's so smart and all this stuff. And so I remember telling her, she showed me the text at our wedding. <laughs> she was like, Lynn, you sent me this text like nine months ago or not even, it was like mm-hmm. six months ago of like, don't let me even dream about Jojo Howard. Cause that's just not, an option at all. And she like showed me that text at our wedding. And she was like, I, that's why I never said, okay. (laughs) So for me, like to think, I remember we were in Hawaii because after my mom passed away, my sister and I just went on this big trip. Like we had planned in God's providence. We had already planned it um, to Disney world in Hawaii. And Joe was texting me in Hawaii. And I remember telling my sister, like Jojo Howard's texting me more like about hunting. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't understand this. Look at what I've harvested. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And just getting to um, trying to navigate my own feelings of that, right? Of like, Lynn, you cannot push yourself on this grieving man. Like, is this, are you being his friend right now? Are you trying to ask for too much here or don't get your hopes up? That sort of thing. So we went on, I texted him. I was actually on my way to a Monjanic planning meeting and I had passed by his house. So I texted him. I was like, Hey, I'll be driving by your house. If you want to get together, we can like do something with the kids. Or if you need just like friend time, we can do that. And he was like, yeah, how about I meet you in Richmond and we go to this museum and then we go to dinner. And I was like, I remember telling like Ben Melchers and Michael Hall. And I was like, I think this is a maybe date. Like, I don't know if it's a date, but it feels like, like I don't know. We've never done anything like just by ourselves like this. It's a, <laughs> like totally. I asked all the guys after that meeting, I was like, do I look okay? Do I look like I put too much effort in? Or like, <laughs> I was so ridiculous. And that's on that day, we went to the museum, had a good time. I was, I was really struggling in ministry um, with mm-hmm. something at that point. And Joe was so sweet just to listen and, and perfect. You know, I was having a really hard time with parent and he was like, we don't like her, you know, like, I'll push her. Yeah, <laughs> just what I needed in that moment. And at dinner, uh, which was like the most perfect dinner, which is like a whole nother story, but there was live music. Surprisingly, there was like an impromptu jazz performance. It was crazy. Yes. And there were twinkle lights, which always means twinkle lights, they like dim the light. And I remember Lynn, like looking at me from across the table, like, Hey, did you play this? And like, <laughs> I did not want it to be this romantic. Like I look, I'm and that at that date, I wanted to be very clear yes, yeah. and say like, Lynn, I am interested in you romantically. I like you. I want to get to know you better. Mm-hmm. And I will always love Noel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this might have to move at a glacial pace. I really don't know. This might be too soon for me. Um, but if you're open, like I'd like to maybe walk in this direction together and um 
I remember you said. <laughs> I was dying. Yeah. <laughs> I was really dying. I couldn't believe you said. <laughs> she looked at me. She was like, eh, I don't know. No, <laughs> no, uh, did I she really I, did that? No, no, no. no, no. Okay. messing with it. So hard. I like internally. I was trying to play it cool, but I like. I think my eyes were as big as they've ever been, and I said. Uh, <laughs> Jojo, I'm going to tell you what I was praying for in the car on the way here. <laughs> I said, God, I love having Jojo as my friend. And if this moves forward into a deeper friendship, I'm excited about that. But if you have something else planned for us, I'm really excited. <laughs> and so I told him, yeah, like whatever pace you need to move at, like I'm delighted. I, whatever pace it needs to be, I'm delighted to do that. And, and we did talk about like, I understand that Noel will always be a part of your life. There will be a, a there, we might get to a point that you'll have to decide where your loyalty lies, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, which was also helpful for me to have my father to talk to about that of like, dad, is this a, is this a fair expectation of, of, of dating a widower that I say, like, you can't always be loyal to your first wife who's no longer here. And, and mm-hmm. my father was very helpful in, in me understanding Lynn, like, you know, these things and yeah, like your mom will always Life be is messy. And that's, um, There's no playbook. Yeah, so then yes. it's just like after we were like, yeah, we're going to do this. It was very exciting. Uh, just even in the, like that time together, I like, got in the car and like totally freaked out. <laughs> it was so, it was so wonderful just to to start that journey. And God has been really gracious in, um, in helping us navigate that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I haven't been in a relationship longer than five months and Joe's only been with one person for mm-hmm. the majority of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and much to his credit, he dated me really well and was very honest about things. And we had hard conversations, especially mm-hmm. around the time that he decided to remove his wedding band and Ugh. yeah. Yeah. That's got ridging. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, for me to, navigate through that emotion too of trying to care well for him um in in that and then also you know like dating with with children which I never thought mm-hmm. I would do but the children are so wonderful Sexiest thing you said all of dating with, with children, children. Yeah. <laughs> watching Joe be a parent was very wonderful like he's such a good father it was so encouraging to watch um and to be a part of but yeah like Liam would ask questions like, daddy, do you think mommy's prettier? Or do you think Lynn's prettier? You know, or like, daddy, when we get to heaven, are you going to be with mommy? Or are you going to be with Lynn? You know, that mm-hmm. sort of like, well, these are shut up. Questions. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it's good to be able to tell him like, son, the wonderful thing is daddy won't even have to choose, you know? And, mm-hmm. and now that we are a family, Liam still has very good questions. Stella Joe, like I said, doesn't really have many memories, which we have photos of Noel with the kids upstairs in the library with them. Yeah, and she has her a, mommy blanket. She's not a taboo subject. No. Mm-hmm. And it's so helpful that I have memories with Noel that I can share with the kids. And, and like I said, her family has been wonderful and have welcomed me um, in, which is great. Um, but Liam, yeah, like he'll ask uh, um, just really good questions or, <laughs> you know, and, and it's interesting for God's been working in me about how to answer these questions, right? Like when Liam says, well, mommy Noel was better because she never made me make this face, you know, it'll make like a stretched up face <laughs> because I made a pick up as toys or, you know, like. Well, mommy Noel was prettier because she looked good bald, you know, things like that. And then, and then finally just getting to a place where I could tell the children, you know, you guys, there's, there's room in your heart for mommy Noel and me. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like, I know it's not, yeah, that's been something that I've had to navigate as. I told them um, just the other, other evening, like love isn't like cake. It's not like you have a set amount mm-hmm. and you give a slice to this person mm-hmm. and therefore there's less for this person. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not how. God's love works for us. And that's not how our love, you know, reflectively works, works either. So, um, yes. It's, yeah. It's, it's wonderful <laughs> being married. It, our journey is very different. Even like now navigating through things, right? Like we have plans coming up and, and this is just being very honest and real, right? Like we have plans coming up and it's the same weekend as Noel's death date mm-hmm. and, uh, tr- trying to be sense, you know, <laughs> I didn't take it very graciously the first time when it was you know like well that's noelle's death date so we might need to and then my i didn't say anything and this might be news to you but Mm. like internally i was thinking like okay now he's choosing to think about his late wife instead of choosing Mm -hmm. to be in the present with when are you gonna get over this yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh, um and god you know the spirit meeting me and trying to be you know (laughs) 
a very nice, uh, what is it? Nail file of like, Lynn, that's not the right attitude. This is not how to think about that. That is not loving your husband well, as he's trying to love you well and grieve something, right? Like, um, so it, there are interesting things to navigate uh, marrying a widower and interesting things to navigate marrying me, but, um, let, let me just interject to say, I mean, it is, I mean, it's ministering to me to just watch the two of you process so much. I mean, you, you both continue to say things where I'm just thinking, wow, that is complex. That is incredibly hard. <laughs> and that's just one of the things of the many that you both are having to process and talk through. And so it's just, it's an encouragement to hear uh, your communication, both of you and your thoughtfulness uh, towards each other. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to watch. And Thank you. It's less than a year of marriage, too. Well, like, well I will yeah. say we've done a lot. <laughs> we've done a lot. And also, I don't I think you'll agree that uh you are, Lynn, the recipient of a pretty well-trained husband. Yes, a very you know? so good like, husband. Yes. I, you know, <laughs> in the sense that many of the husband and marriage mistakes I've already made you know, and, and learned from and, and grown from. So, um, you know, I, I see those landmines and cause I've stepped on them before. And so I avoid them uh, with, with you. And, um, yes, I know that Noel yeah. gave me a, a gift in, in the man Joe is, um, and, and in my children, I wouldn't have children without Noel. So her legacy en- enhances my life in a lot of ways. It has been a lot of change in a very short amount of time. <laughs> like over, you know, we dated mm-hmm. for five months, got married 56 days later <laughs> after we got engaged mm-hmm. and then uh, got married. Joe started a new job. We moved into a new house. I went from being in full-time ministry to being a full-time mom. I'm like Which what? I never skipped my lunch. And now I'm like, what do these kids want for lunch? You Doesn't know? Matter. They're not going to like it. Exactly. So <laughs> Like my life, my life has changed. And then being in a new place, having to find Mm -hmm. a new church, a new friend group, a new, yeah. And just, I mean, and my mom's not here to ask these questions, you know, like she's so navigating that as well, Mm -hmm. but Joe's family really is so wonderful. We live on family land. So my parents-in-law are next door and my Mm -hmm. sister-in-law is on the other side and, and they're so helpful and so wonderful, but Joe is a really good husband, um, a, a lot due to his time with Noelle and the work that she put in. Yes, for sure. And I mean, to me, it doesn't seem fair to say it's just a year of marriage <laughs> because what what all you both have been through. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of wisdom and um, that's come through a lot of, of heartache for, for both of you. Um, I know what we're about to, to start drawing this to a close. Um, what, what are just some, some last thoughts you, you both want to share as you kind of draw this to a close it kind of where you you guys are today and moving forward um anything else that just comes to mind absolutely anything I think for me now being on this side of youth ministry having youths in the ministry um I number one appreciate my role in ministry a lot more than like I knew I had a dream job when I was the girl or when I was the youth assistant director I love my job um, and giving it up was, was difficult, but, um, that's what the Lord had for me. Um, but now being like, looking at my daughter, like thinking, oh my gosh, like she's going to need a young girl to talk to who's not, who's not her mom. I'm so grateful. I got to be that girl for so many girls, um, and still have a relationship with a lot of them. I'm so grateful for a lot of the things that I did in ministry now being on this side. And so for what, what can so be feel so thankless for so long, you know, of like parents don't understand what I do. Like, number one, I also didn't understand how constantly demanding parenthood is. Like <laughs> I got that it was hard because I would watch things and I was always grateful to give children, people, their children back. Would you say at Disney, but, like, why are all these parents like not excited? He's never been to Disney as a parent. Yes, like, <laughs> and just even yesterday at the ballpark there was a, a parent who her daughter was like screaming like I'm so hungry and she's like you would we just ate here you would think that I've never fed my child and I said nine months ago I would have thought that but now I get it 
that would get bigger challenges, whatever. But anyways, being on this side of ministry, like for the youth workers listening, like if you don't have children or, or even if you do, you recognize the value of, of our youths having, especially with a lot of the things that are going on. That's just crazy in society that they need somebody to talk to who is not their parent, who there won't be a consequence, you know, of chores or lost screen time or something like that for them to say like, you know, I've, I, I'm really struggling with this and I don't know what to do. And I don't feel like I can take it to my parents. So I'm, I'm, God has grown my gratitude for the role that I had and for the people who will be playing those roles in my, um, children's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I would say I would encourage, uh, folks. I think as a, as a modern society, we have the idea uh, especially through social media, that you should have balance in your life. And I don't think that's a, a bad thing uh, on its own. Um, but scripturally, you know, the Bible talks more about the seasons of one's life, you know, versus having everything balanced. You know, you want to be able to have a successful career and a perfect marriage and great kids and exercise routinely and eat well and all that stuff. And have it all balanced and, you know, scripture that that's a good recipe for burnout. You know, I think scripturally there's a season for all things, you know, so having, having been through a season of grief um, and also, I, you know, to summarize where, where I am now to, I feel like we're in a season of blessing mm -hmm. um, and, you know, God's good provision. Um, being able to cast aside, like when you're in that season of grief or that season of transition with kids or a season of moving to a new house or a new job, you know what, if you don't have that perfect balance, like that's okay. Just let that, just let that concept go because scripturally there's a season for all things. Um, and God has blessings for us in each of those seasons. Mm -hmm. if, if we'll allow it, um, if we'll allow them to, to meet us there. So, so I would say um, that's been one of the big overarching themes in the past, you know, five years is just surrendering to God, the idea of like a perfect balance and, and just seeing what he has for you, what blessing he has for you and what lessons he has for you in that season. And, and I was telling Lynn, like the only place that I can make the problem of pain in the world makes sense is, is at the cross, you know, like mm. that there, we live in a fallen world and that there are sometimes no good explanations for the crappy things that happen. Um, and God's crying with us too, like seeing his children heartbroken and, and fallen. So um, we're, God's grace and truth meet together at the cross, at what Jesus did for us. And um, the fact that he's alive and waiting to put his hand on your back while you're like in the corner crying in pain is, yeah. is profound. And there's nothing anyone can say to convince me <laughs> that God isn't real, that Jesus isn't a, a true God and, and a, ready like to to meet you where you are um whatever season you're in yeah I was listening to I was watching um uh called the midwife while I was folding laundry because that's my life now and <laughs> uh there was something that happened that this one of the nuns said only God knows what he started and only God knows how it's going to end hmm. and uh, I think that's one I mean, I think that I look at Joe all the time I cannot believe I married you I cannot believe this like 16 years of friendship and I'm like I get to, like, this is wild to me. And really like only God knew what he had started and only God knows how it'll end. Mm -hmm. um, but without, yeah, <laughs> without God, our I think, I don't know if our relationship would have made it simply because like, how do you do that if you're not on the same level? Mm -hmm. Like if you're not working with the same morals or the, the same faith base as somebody else going through something like that, then um, it, it's easy to think, well, I'm just going to keep moving it to the next guy who doesn't have that much baggage, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and also to, to acknowledge the fact that like where we are right now feels like the end of a Hallmark movie, you know, like husband loses his wife and he's got moves out to the country and builds a house and like meets a new girl, a city girl. <laughs> city yeah. girl. 
buys her a pair of muck boots, you know, and like, <laughs> and no, so like, she's all laundry. The idea that, okay, you know, you, you've come out of the other end of this, or this is the season you're in right now. Right now, yeah, you know, we have more um, lives to live, and we have more reasons to cling to God. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but that's it. Thanks for letting us share our story, John. I know like, it's, we just talk a lot. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I wanted. That's exactly what I wanted to happen. Um, people need to hear from you guys and not from me. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, uh, you both have ministered to me today. Um, really, really grateful that you took the time to share your story. And uh, it's our prayer through this that others would be ministered to by your story. So, Joe, Lynn, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, John. Thanks for having us. Oh, come and buy without money.